0: You know, rest is, is important. It's a thing, you know, you can't be the best parent. You can't be the best spouse. You can't be even the best employee or the best, you know, solopreneur if you're perpetually tired and getting five hours of sleep every night.
1: What's going on guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Jeff Mendelsohn. Today, this one's a little bit different. Today, we're talking about business ownership, entrepreneurship, and outsourcing, really so you can grow your business, not by working in your business, by but by working on your business. And Jeff talks a lot about uh, a lot of things in his day, and one of the things we're focusing on today is how... He built his business by outsourcing his... It was his side hustle, now it's his main business. By outsourcing many of his tasks, many of the things he had to do to other people, to assistants, to people overseas to handle those tasks. And then now he is a location-independent entrepreneur, digital entrepreneur. And we're learning about many of those techniques and strategies that he used to really give a lot of those tasks to people who could handle them better and give him some of his time back or a lot of his time back so that he could focus on growing his business and living his life and and really, you know, maintaining uh maintaining a work pace and schedule that you can maintain over the long run because you can't hustle a hundred hours a week forever. You can't do it. Nobody can do it. It's you're going to damage your personal relationships. You're going to damage your own health. You're going to not be sleeping enough. So if you're one of the folks out there, and I've talked with many of you who are building a business on your own, building a side hustle, and you're really building that passive cash flow, escaping Wall Street by building your own thing, you need to focus on hiring new people in your business to take tasks off your plate. And that's what today is about. And, you know, selfishly ask a few questions that are burning in my mind right now, as we continue to scale this podcast, as we continue to scale my real estate investing business, things that I need to think about so that I can stay satisfied in my life. So I'm not, I'm not working all night so that I can really, uh, stay, keep, keep my personal relationships, uh, up to, up to the standard that we want them to be. Right. So we can take care of that so I can continue to take care of my health, sleep enough every night. I'm, I'm, a sleep is very important to me. So I have to make sure I'm sleeping. And I think this, for those of you out there, and like I said, I've talked with many of you who are building a side hustle type of business. This is so important hiring people in your business to take things off of your plate and give you your time back. So you can focus on higher, higher, Dollar per hour tasks. And that's what we're talking about today with Jeff Mendelson. If you are new to the show and you're an Apple Podcast user and you do enjoy it, please take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind. That's so much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem, and being perfectly honest and transparent with you. That helps me feel good because I see what you guys have to say. I see that you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us, and I love it. It helps us keep going. It's that fuel that keeps driving this show if you do enjoy the show and you're on some other apple pod, some other podcast app take a quick second look up the passive wealth strategy show hit that subscribe button that way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every monday tuesday and Thursday. I am your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Like I've said, this show is all about helping you escape the Wall Street casino, whether it's through real estate investing or building a business on your own that produces and throws off cash flow, so that you can build some certainty in your financial life. That's what we're all about here. Without any further ado, here we go with Jeff Mendelssohn. Jeff, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm really excited.
1: It's been great talking with you so far. uh, As we kind of agreed in our little pre-interview here, we probably have three or four episodes worth of content we could record. So we're going to try to stick to one, one topic here in our conversation. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us about what you do? And then we'll dive uh, dive into what we're going to talk about today.
0: Sure. So the high level is that I um, I have a digital marketing agency. I've been doing this now for about uh, about 15 years. I'm also the host of the One Big Tip podcast. And, uh, you you know, for the agency, we do a lot of podcast production, content creation and marketing, paid ads, website design, things like that. So really what I'm uh, uh, really what I'm running is a full service, full service boutique type of uh, digital marketing agency awesome and
1: today you know we're gonna for our listeners we really want to talk about outsourcing hiring hiring virtual assistants but uh, before we even get to that i want to help our listeners know and understand what that those systems what having people in place has done for you and you know your say if you will location independence in your business so can you tell us about kind of how your lifestyle works with your business your location and all of that?
0: Sure. So I've been working from home or from any local WeWork for the past, I don't know, like, you know, 12 years now. Right. And basically what happened was when I got fired from my last job, I was like, oh, my God, how like, how am I going to be able to afford my Starbucks coffee or pay my (laughs) mortgage or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, you know, the clients came, you know, because, you know, you do good work, you keep, uh, you know, you keep on networking and, you know, it's all good. So what happened, though, is that I actually started this when I was still working in corporate, right? And one of the things I figured out very early on was even though people would walk by my cube and see my fingers, you know, going at it on the keyboard, they didn't really know what it was I was doing, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I I would win these awards, right? They would tell, oh, my God, Jeff's the most productive, you know, employee (laughs) of the month or things like that. I'm like, God... Only you guys knew what, what I was doing. Basically, I was building my own business, right? But of course, you can't, you know, like take client calls. You can't, you know, there are certain things you can't or shouldn't do when you're on the clock with someone else, in which case, that's where the non smoker smoker part comes in, right? Because, you know, the smokers get the liberty of taking their cell phones and, you know, go having a cigarette outside. I basically did the same thing. And that's where I took my client calls. And that's where I caught up with with uh, with side bit, side hustle emails, things like that, right? But what happens is that there were a lot of things that I just wasn't the best at, right? Like I'm not a great programmer. I'm not a great writer. I'm not a great social media person, right? And what I would do is find people who can do this for me, right? And as I'm looking for those people, I'm basically creating this process like, okay, I need you to create a month's worth of social for this particular client, and I need it by the 15th of the month for the the upcoming month. And then it becomes like clockwork, right? Once you set processes in place, then it makes it a lot easier for you to hire out for this. So you can you can assign this to, you know, person A that you find and let's say for example they don't work out beautiful you know they can you can take the you could take the videos that you created to walk them through your process you can show them your process sheet and give it to person 2 person 3 person 4 and what that does is it creates this body of standard operating procedures and that's how you you, you know you're able to move a lot of this stuff off of your plate Right. And really, what the rule of thumb is is that if you hate doing it, give it to somebody else. <laughs> right. So, if you don't want to do cold calls, if you don't want to write emails, if you don't want to deal with your calendar, if you don't want to write social, great. Find somebody else to do it. But make sure that they know what it is that you're expecting from them. Right. Because it's not fair for you to just say, I, you know, I need a month's worth of social. Well, OK, you know, on what and what, you know, what kind of parameters, what kind of links do you want me to use? All that neat stuff. Right. And once you have that, you'll find that your business can then scale up because then you can hire two people to do the same job, three people, four people, five people, you know, depending on that scale. And I, at one point, I think I had four people working for me before I finally got fired wow. from my last job. And basically, what that was was that, you know, like I had the Indian programmer, I had the, you know, the two VAs from the Philippines, I had someone else, say, you know, from Eastern Europe doing, uh, you know, doing some kind of app development, right? And it was just always making sure that whatever I was getting involved with, that I'm able to quickly get this off of my plate and onto theirs, and then be able to check their work quickly and easily as well as it comes back, right? And then I was able to scale. So when I did get fired for the last time from my job, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was ready. Like, I, you know, I didn't miss a step, I didn't, um, you know, that financial ruin didn't happen, and you know, I'm still, still, still alive and kicking here. So, I must be doing something right.
1: Awesome, awesome, and I, you know, I think, really, the show that we, what we like to talk about, and what we do talk about, is building wealth and cash flow outside of Wall Street. And you know, there are a lot of ways to do that. A lot of times, we talk about real estate investing, but we also talk about entrepreneurship. And building a business for yourself, if that's what you want to do. And we have a lot of listeners out there who want to build a business like that. And I think from from meeting a lot of successful entrepreneurs over the years of recording this show and also just kind of being in entrepreneurship spaces, this, this skill of being able to outsource tasks and really turn your certain finite number of hours a week into not literally infinite, but effectively infinite number of hours a week per by hiring the right people is so important. But, you know, for the person who's very early on, maybe shy on cash flow, where they're seeing, you know, they have to make that first hire so that they can really get to the next level, but maybe they're having some coming in, they don't want to give it up. How do you, you know, hire that next person and expand your business and, and work through that mindset and everything like that? Because presumably, you know, you had four people working for you, your business may not have at at some point wasn't to the point where you could have left your job and just lived off the cash flow of the business. You had to build it there. How did you you know focus on the bigger picture and hire those people and focus on you know making that investment in your business rather than saying I'm I'm just going to work you know every waking second that I can to get you know keep as much money as I can. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So good luck with that. right? Basically, what I will tell you is that your spouse will very quickly inform you of how that is not a great pace for you to be on, right? So you really do need to figure out a way, you know, if you got to watch Lifetime with your wife, if you need to go. So, you know, if your husband likes to go on weekend trips or, or whatever, you can't just disengage and say, I'm sorry, I have to you know, I have to do this, right? You know, you do it once, you do it twice, you know, you do it 16 times in a month. Yeah, that's a problem, right? And also, you know, rest is is important. It's a thing. You know, you can't be the best parent. You can't be the best spouse. You can't be even the best employee or the best, you know, solopreneur if you're perpetually tired and getting five hours of sleep every night. So I think, you know, the first thing you need to figure out is why are you working those crazy hours, right? So I get it, you know, like you work for you know, you go into the office from nine to six, and then you fight traffic for an hour on the way home. You have dinner with your spouse, you know, at the, it, it, and then you tuck the kids in the bed, nine 30 until one in the morning, you're working on your, you're working on your side hustle. Great. God bless you. Because, you know, that's, you know that's how greatness is started that's how it's created but what happens is if you're not if you're not looking at those other metrics it, it it doesn't matter how much you're making right so first of all you know as a solopreneur it's really it's really tough to get over that hill because you think to yourself like all I need are four clients that are paying me X amount of money and then and then I can quit my job. Well really right <laughs> it's like it, you know, whatever you think you're going to need as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, double it and add another 50% because then you're going to have to pay for your own health insurance. You're going to have to pay, you know, like your own taxes. You know, there are a lot of things that your employer does for you that maybe you didn't take into account. And of course, there's that, um, you know, there's that paycheck that automatic automatically hits your bank account every two weeks. Right. And, you know, don't, don't discount that. Right. Because I, you know, I remember receiving that and it's very, very comfortable, but at the same time, I've gotten fired from so many jobs already, either fired, laid off or what have you, that it's just like, I realized that all I was doing at all of these jobs was, was perpetuating someone else's dream. I was a cog in their wheel getting it done. And that's really no different than you starting to hire virtual assistants, or you starting to hire programmers, or you starting to hire writers, right? It's all the same because you have all of that stuff, you know, like within, uh, you know, like within the company you probably work with right now, you know, at any level. And it's just a matter of being able to juggle all of that, keeping those priorities uh, straight. But to answer your question more directly, you will need to give up a little bit of capital in order to get the next person in to handle all of that for you. Now, how much of that capital you give up, you know, that's really up to you. If you're charging, I don't know, $30 an hour for something, but you're paying someone else 10, that's probably not enough. I mean, it sounds like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping two thirds of it. No, you're not because you still have to pay for your own tools. You have to pay your own taxes. You got to, you know, there are a lot of stuff that you got to pay for. So you really need to make sure that you are covering not only your hard costs but also your soft costs as well when you're putting all of that together and making that calculation.
1: Interesting. I think that is uh, that is very important for I, that burnout is so so critical. You know, I talked to a lot of, like I said, successful entrepreneurs. You know, behind the scenes, many of them who have gotten to the point where they've outsourced a lot of these tasks, they had a few years where they were really busting, but they realized it was not sustainable and they had to get people in so that they could maintain their lives and their personal relationships and you know remain healthy and sleep enough every night and you know everything that that's so important that maybe you know sometimes we we take for granted so let's talk about making that first hire finding that first right person or whether we you know we're stepping back and saying what's the role what do i need to get done you know and and we're talking here a lot about Folks from other countries. You know, I'm, I'm in the states, right? Many of our listeners are in the states, but we may be talking about hiring folks from, uh, you know, like you said, India or the Philippines or or somewhere else. Let's go through that first hire and any kind of cultural, if you will, concerns that uh, may come up.
0: What's interesting about uh, about finding your first hire is that I'll tell you from experience, I have not met another Jeff that I could afford. Okay, that's just plain and simple. So I know that I can play around enough in Photoshop. You know, I speak English to a very high level. I can write. I can also write social media. I can also program a little bit if I really needed to. Am I the best at it? No, right? So what will take me four or five hours to do will take someone else, you know, like 15 15 minutes, maybe an hour, right? But the one thing you're not going to find is someone with all of those skill sets wrapped in a a nice (laughs) little box with a little bow on top, Sure. right? So what you really need to do is think about and categorize the type of help that you need. So if you're going to hire a writer, long form writer, someone who's writing thousand word blog posts for you, that is not the same skill set as someone who writes social media, which is two to four sentences. It's not. Get it out of your head, right? They may say they can, Right, and you know, you may find somebody who really is that talented, but it's much better and easier for you to really niche down into. I want this person to write just social for me. I want this person to just do the uh, the graphic design. Let them focus on the areas that they know how to do best, because once you get them thinking about you know, different things, then they're going to start getting as scattered as you probably are right now, right? You're thinking like, oh, well, I need a writer that can do this and this and this and this and a project manager that can do, you know, all kinds of other things. And oh, by the way, I need them to update HTML and CSS on my WordPress blog. (laughs) Yes, yes, you will find it. You will find somebody who can do that. But What's going to happen is, you know, the work is going to be fragmented and then it becomes a little bit too much for you to manage. And especially if you're doing it as a side hustle, right? What I think is a much better strategy is to figure out exactly what it is. Make sure that you get that process really dialed in so that you can just hand it to almost anybody and they'll understand exactly what it is that you're asking from them. And that they can execute it on a timely basis. if they can't execute it on a timely basis, if it takes them too long to do it, or if you get a blog post back with a bunch of with a bunch of errors, right it, that's not uh, that's not saving you any time. That's actually causing you more work. It's time to get rid of them and find somebody else, okay.
1: Do you want direct access to passive commercial real estate investments, including apartments? self-storage, medical facilities, hotels, and even more, CrowdStreet has you covered. They provide access to a wide variety of commercial real estate syndications for accredited investors. Over 520 deals have been closed through the platform and investors have placed over $2.1 billion, that's billion with a D, in those deals. Go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started. Or click the link in the show notes. See the CrowdStreet platform for full terms and conditions of what they offer. Once again, that's PassiveWealthStrategy.com CrowdStreet to get started. Okay, and how about the, the the cultural aspect, right? Because like you said, you can, for your example, you can speak English well. And, and there are a lot of folks around the world who can speak and write English reasonably well. It, it passes, but a lot of the times, folks who aren't native English speakers... Can if you can really read into it, you can tell you might pick up a few things where a native English speaker wouldn't have written this particular thing this way. And I can, you know, I I personally, that particular thing, I'm kind of I can smell it right, it just sticks out to me on the page. And I think probably many others are that way in the context of you know writing, but there are many other factors, right? We have, uh, you know, depending on what your business is about. There's probably a difference, right? We're talking—if we talk about, you know, real estate investing—to stick with a, a common example we talk about here. Most Americans in America aren't familiar with American real estate investing, let alone folks from other countries and other cultures. That I'm sure they have real estate investors there, but no doubt those business dynamics are very different. So, how do you cope with some of those uh, cultural differences? And then when do you kind of realize, oh shoot, I. I maybe can't afford somebody who lives overseas in a lower, you know, cost of living area who can work for a lot less. Maybe I need to find someone, you know, in a in a basically in the states that is going to charge more per hour, but they're going to have some of those um, cultural familiarities that we may, you know, we may or may not be able to like work to over time.
0: You know, that's a really good question. I think part of it is trying to figure out what is the best way to. Uh, to convey what it is that you need. Right. So one of the, one of the things that I do, for example, is with programmers, I don't give them anything uh, really creative to do. Right. If I'm going to tell them like, I need, you know, like I need to move this button over here and I need to make it like my instructions are very exact. And part of that is thinking in that mindset that, you know, you're, you know, you're talking to a fifth grader, you're giving them very, very specific instructions on how to do it. And that goes back to my previous point of hiring, you know, for the niche person to do that one job. Now, when you start thinking about cost, first of all, if you can't afford some of the, you know, like the work that so, that someone in a, you know, a lower income country is going to produce for you, and you still can't afford to pay them. I'm sorry, there's one of two things wrong with you. Either you're not charging enough or you're not really thinking about where the profit is, right? Because $100 for you and I is a good steak dinner, right? That's just bottom line hundred dollars for, you know, for someone in, you know, in Southeast Asia or in or in the Middle East or in Eastern Europe, that's that's rent. That's that's their electric bill. You know, that probably if they are working, they are supporting more than one or two people. You know, like extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, moms, things like that. So, if they're the breadwinner in the family, so it is real important to, first of all, you know, treat them with the, you know, with the respect that they deserve. Not that, uh, you know, oh, I'm paying, you know, I'm paying this re- obscenely low amount by American standards. God bless you that you're able to do that, really. Right. But when you are talking to someone who is outside the U.S., you really do need to be cognizant of, you know, of their realities and how, you know, and how that paycheck will affect them. I think the other part is that you need to think about whether they can actually do the, you know, whether they can actually do the job. I'll give you an example with a writer, right? A writer and I need them to write about, I don't know, certified financial planning. You know, that's a very American concept. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's in middle class in any other country al- around the world has th- some sort of this kind of knowledge, right? Whether it's some kind of retirement plan they get from the government or some kind of retirement plan that they got from, you know, like from wherever it is that they work, like they know what it is. Now, you need to make sure that they have all of the information in order to may in order to create the blog posts that you're looking for. Right. And they need to use American references. They need to use, um, you know, don't show me a blog post from Malaysia that also talks about, you know, interest rates. That's not, you know, it's not really relevant. Right. So you need to make sure that you have that scope in place that you're telling them like uh that I want references for that are that are regional. I'll I'll give you a, I'll give you an example closer to home. So I'm in Fort Lauderdale, right? Miami Fort Lauderdale very very heavy Hispanic Spanish speaking community. Mm-hmm. Um if you create a website for someone who's local but you're using photos of mountains and alpine, you know, like, uh, you know, and pine trees and things like that, or like really big, tall buildings, like it's going to look out of place, right? We don't, mm-hmm. I'm, well, uh, tall buildings we have here, right? But the, <laughs> you know, but we don't have mountains. This place is flat as a pancake, right? So you don't want to use something like that. Or if you're talking about some kind of uh you know, something that isn't really relevant to someone who grew up in Wisconsin, right? It's a, it's kind of a different, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a different experience, you know, even people who are, I don't know, just Orlando and points North, you know, like, like they have a, they experience things a lot differently than we do here in South Florida, right? So I want to make sure that I am, when I'm writing that spec, when I'm training these people on how to how to write for me or how to you know put together content i really want them to understand what it's like to be here and i need to be relatively assured that they know and that they um, you know have that first and foremost that you're not going to tell me about california vibes or you're not going to or you're not going to be using canadian references things like that it's all in english like it's all you know like, proper there right but if it gets lost on the audience then yeah that's just not going to work that's why it's real important you know it goes back to the scope right it goes back to the scope of why you're hiring these people what you're you're asking them to do a very specific job for a very, with a very specific skill set for a very specific client that you sourced so you need to make sure that you're serving that client to the highest level and you as that va's client also needs to be uh, ensure that you have all of the information in place that they can do a good job for you. It'll just make everyone's job all that much easier as the work is coming back, and then you need to push it forward. Mm, okay.
1: Now, one last thing here, I want to hit on before we move on to the the final part of the show. You mentioned training. I mean, this is a huge topic, right? But there is a certain you're getting somebody trained up, right? You you don't expect. You know, you know, like you said before, you're not going to get a Jeff out of the box, right? You have to do maybe get them for one specific task and provide some amount of training. But when do you know what is enough, or how do you like judge what is enough training? Or maybe you could call it a probation probationary probationary period where, hey, you know, I've you know, I've delivered all these different training materials. This person's just not getting it. I need to let them go. How do you make that kind of judgment call? Get them educated on. You know what you what you need. You mentioned before. You know, pretend like you're explaining to a fifth grader what you need. But we need to expect also, in my opinion, folks to come with some degree of competence, right? If we were literally hiring fifth graders, then the work would be so easy. It you know it would I don't know it, it would be a different situation, right? But what do what are your expectations with regards to how long you have to train someone and all that uh, type of stuff?
0: You know, I'm really glad you asked that question because it really has shifted with me over time in that I would at first, you know, like make some of those mistakes that I told you about now where I would hire one person to do, you know, thinking that they can do everything right Mm -hmm. that they can that they can self-manage. A lot of people just do not want to be self-managed. They want to, you know, they want you to tell them what to do. They're like, if you tell them to do one, two, three and four. And for some reason, three doesn't work. They will not move on to four until three is fixed by you, right? So it's real important that you are sort of thinking about how that interaction is going to happen. My metric is that I don't like having meetings, right? I don't like talking to, you know, like the same people day after day, week after week. For me, Slack is fine, right? You know, where I could just, uh, communicate. hey, did you do this? Yes, no, move on, Right. So I think the, the metric for how well someone is doing for you has to do with the fact of how much or how little contact you know, they need. So for example, the first week, the first month that they're with me, I expect a lot of questions, right? And if you're not asking me questions, then I know something's wrong conversely, if after six months they're still asking me the same questions, then no, then that's not a good fit right you know then you start losing a little bit of faith. I call it the you know I just call it the good night' sleep rule, right I need to rest assured that my clients' needs are taken care of by the people that I hired and that I don't need to lose sleep over it thinking like did this get done did it not get done did it get done correctly? did it not get done correctly in the first interview, my, the very first thing that I'm talking about is ownership. It's, uh, I want them to own what it is that they're doing. I want them to feel that that uh, that they are delivering directly to their clients. I'm not here to check your spelling. I'm not here to check your grammar. I'm here to, you know, get, you know to give you work and to make sure that that work gets done. One of my secret sauce uh, items is that I pay you on time. A lot of people don't right? A lot of people do not pay their VAs on time. And that's, you know, quite sad. I'm not that person, right? So I make sure that I pay you on time. But part of that trade-off is that if you tell me you're going to get something done by Wednesday, I expect it by Wednesday. If you tell me it's going to be done by Friday, great, you know, take five days to do it. I'm good, right? But just make sure that it gets done. And when those basic things start to slip to the wayside, that's where I start to have a lot of pause, do I really want this person in there? Do I really need to think about whether, you know, did they do a good job? Did they not do a good job? Did they deliver? Is it Or are we already up to the end of the month and my next month's, I don't know, social media isn't loaded up yet. If I need to worry about that stuff, if I'm not getting a good night's sleep, knowing that all of that is put to bed, then yeah, I am looking for another person. Awesome.
1: Good to know. Appreciate that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Jeff, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: I would say the best investment that I made or make is in the gear that I purchase, right? So I make sure to have a, you know, like a, the newest, You know, MacBook Pro, for example, the one that I have right now, I bought two years ago. It cost me both arms and a leg, but (laughs) the thing is still kicking, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to worry about its quality at all. So for me, having that type of gear that I could just throw in my backpack, I can take it around the world with me. I know it's going to work. That is the best investment for me.
1: Nice. Nice. I love that. Good to invest in the right tools and high quality tools at that we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: I'd say the worst investment. And, you know, I am you know, I was thinking about this and this may sound kind of weak, but what happens is that when you purchase a course, you know, like a, I've met a lot of, you know, particularly in your industry, uh, real estate course junkies, mm-hmm. right? Oh, what yeah. do they do? They They, you know, they spend $5,000 on a course with this guru. Right, and they're like oh my god it's so great you know you know everyone gets all excited and then six months later they spent another five thousand ten thousand dollars with someone else and it's like well wait a second you know like why didn't you implement what that one uh, what that one just taught you right so I kind of look at this as if I bought a course and I didn't get the maximum benefit out of it like I'm kicking myself pretty hard that okay, what what is the reason why I didn't get, in, get the investment? It could be that the course was crap, right? That could be one of the things. But I think, you know, like when you're getting up to that level, it's probably not, it's, you know, the problem is probably you, right? Because, you, know, you know, the common denominator in all your failed relationships, you know, is you, right? So, totally. you know, the, uh, uh, that rule probably happens as well. So when you invest in something like that, you know, some kind of high ticket offer, and then you don't, go to, like you don't do the work in order to get it done. Yeah, that's a bad investment.
1: Absolutely. And you're you're totally right. In the real estate space, there are a lot of folks selling the $5,000, $10,000 course. And then if you spend enough time as a real estate investor, you're going to see a lot of those course junkies come and go. Maybe they buy a few, and a lot of times they don't do the work. Sometimes the course sucks, let's be real. But in my observation, a lot of time, they 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 don't really maybe want to put the hours in that it requires. They don't want to... Do some of the hard stuff, like I don't pick up the phone, make it a cold call, or or whatever, and or
0: actually move the money into the account that it needs. That like actually (laughs) pull the trigger and make that damn investment, right? You know, it's like oh my god, you know, like I found this great place. You know, it's only one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, I need to put twenty five thousand. You know, but if you only have twenty five thousand dollars and you got to park that twenty five thousand into somebody's escrow account, that's scary. That's very scary. So if you so if you don't pull the trigger on it or you realize yeah I, you know like I'm sure a lot of people have their reasons for not doing something like that, right But yeah, you need to like you knew that before you bought the course, right? Totally. You knew you would have to put something like that in escrow. So if that was totally a surprise for you, then dude, you know you probably <laughs> need to think about a different uh, different field at this point.
1: Absolutely. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what
0: is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important lesson I've learned is that you need to serve your clients to the highest level, right? You can't just go and make flippant promises that, uh, you know, one thing that's common in my, in my industry is I'm going to get you ranked uh, number one on Google, right? That's true. that's, that's you know, it's a great statement to say, right? But the fact of the matter is you don't own Google. You're, you know, you're not besties with Sergey, you know, and like you're not going to be able to do it. So how could you possibly deliver on that, right? I would prefer to tone down or niche down my offering to something that I know I can deliver quickly, efficiently, make a profit on it, right? Because there really is more than enough business for everybody. So, really, what I would say is, serving your uh, serving your clients to the highest level is really, you know, like that's the biggest lesson. Once you once you've mastered that, you know, then you can start scaling other areas of your business. You can start uh, extricating yourself from the job that you're doing in order to make sure that that happens. You can outsource that to you know to someone else. A lot of these things can. You know, uh, you can move these over to other people, right? It just becomes a question of time, effort, and money. You know, like how how much of all three of those are you willing to invest in yourself in order to make that happen? And that number, and that effort, and that you know, that time is going to be different for each and every one of your listeners. How are they going to make? How are they going to make that happen? Sometimes the decision will be made for you. You'll get fired from your last job and. You know, like, you know, now you're on your own or you can side hustle it, you know, working until two in the morning and, you know, putting your, you know, putting your spouse's life on hold while you're building this in both cases, right? You definitely need to be, be thinking about, okay, what's my exit strategy? Because I don't want to be doing this 10, 20, 30 years from now, we cannot hustle forever.
1: Totally true. I love that. And I think there's a lot of glorification of hustle, and you know, hard work is very important, but smart hard work is even better. I'm sure you still work hard, yet you've outsourced a lot of those tasks to other people so you can focus on the higher dollar per hour tasks, the things that really are going to move the needle for you and help you earn the most money. And Jeff, thank you for joining us today and discussing this super important topic that I think is, um, it, it 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 the thing about hustle being so uh, cool right now or sexy is because you know it, it just is it just is sexy and I think the tough part is doing some of these hard things and outsourcing tasks, allocating your resources in your business so that you can grow and focus on the right things and hire and fire and do all those things that real business owners do. If folks want to reach out, if they want to learn more about what you do if they want to find your podcast or anything like that where can they track you down
0: sure uh, just go to jeffmendelson.com it has my podcast there has a, uh, a you know a biography whatever you need i uh, whatever you need done you know like for your business for your website you know like and how to you know strategically how to grow it so you know take a look at that you know definitely please listen to the podcast you can also find find me on linkedin Uh, That's a great way to reach out, but uh, definitely the hub is jeffmendelson.com.
1: Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. And I know Jeff says he's not into vanity metrics, but hey, I am. I'm into vanity metrics. And one of those is those reviews on Apple Podcasts, because I get to see that you guys are engaging with the show. You're learning from the content. You are escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.